Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Face the Nation with Margaret Brennan ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. I'm Margaret Brennan in Washington, and this week on Face the Nation, America's economy got a jolt late last week. We'll speak exclusively with Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen about how the government can head off a potential crisis we haven't seen since 2008. Shockwaves are expected to hit when the global markets open. Following Friday's collapse of Silicon Valley Bank, the biggest U.S. bank to fail in 15 years. What were the missed signals about the bank's stability and how could SVB's failure impact the jobs and inflation outlook in the U.S.? President Biden was upbeat Friday morning following an unemployment report that showed strong job gains. It's not just good numbers. People can feel it. But his administration has been hunkered down since then, dealing with what could be a setback to economic progress. We'll ask Secretary Yellen what the administration plans to do to contain the fallout. Plus, Democratic Congressman Ro Khanna represents the California district that's home to SVB. We'll ask him about the impact on the tech sector, America's hub for innovation. House Foreign Affairs Committee Chairman Michael McCall will also be with us, as well as New Jersey's Democratic Governor, Phil Murphy. And finally, we'll take a look at the power of women in the face of adversity as they fight to overcome new roadblocks to gender equality. It's all just ahead on Face the Nation. Good morning and welcome to Face the Nation. Government regulators have been working through the weekend to contain the spillover from the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. But reverberations have already been felt overseas from Europe to Israel. Back home, the concern is especially acute in America's technology sector. President Biden spoke last night about the government's response to SVB's failure with California's governor, Gavin Newsom, who has emphasized the need to protect America's innovation ecosystem. The turbulence comes at a complicated moment for the U.S. economy. CBS News senior national correspondent Mark Strassman is in Atlanta with more. Help wanted. Nearly 11 million open jobs in a labor market that's still sizzling. More than 300,000 hires last month, more than 800,000 already this year. One big winner, the leisure and hospitality sector, two-thirds of its employees, women. For the last four months, women have outgained men for new jobs. I think all this matters. It's no accident. It means our, our economic plan is working. But economists also need help. They're trying to solve this muddle of a post-pandemic economy. Inflation stubbornly above 6%, despite the fastest rise in interest rates in four decades. More signs of these inflationary times, rises in total mortgages and total household debt. The Fed has a lot to think about. I think inflation definitely hits uh, different uh, areas of the economy in different ways. Just like the impact of interest rate hikes. California's Silicon Valley Bank, poorly hedged, has collapsed. Depositors panicked in the biggest bank fail since the 2008 financial crisis. Rising interest rates hobbled the bank's loans and investments. The FDIC has taken control, 
but a worried Wall Street ended down on Friday. The market may be fearing a more contagion risk uh, of financial instability. The law of unintended consequences. One more consideration for the Fed, mulling over interest rates as a whip to tame inflation's lion. If the totality of the data were to indicate that faster tightening is warranted, we'd be prepared to increase the pace of rate hikes. Looking for more clarity? Patience, at least for another couple weeks. The latest numbers from the Consumer Price Index come out on Tuesday, and the Fed will meet again next week to consider raising interest rates yet again. Margaret? Mark Strassman, thank you. We go now to Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen. Madam Secretary, good morning. Good morning, Margaret. I want to get straight to it because the markets will soon reopen for trading. Does the government need to intervene and take emergency measures because of SVB's failure? Well, let me say America's economy relies on a safe and sound banking system that can provide for the credit needs of our households and businesses. So whenever a bank, especially one like Silicon Valley Bank with billions of dollars uh, in deposits fails, it's clearly a concern. Um, from the standpoint of depositors, many of which may be small businesses, uh, they rely on access to their funds to be able to um, pay the bills that they have, and they employ tens of thousands of people across the country. We've been hearing from those depositors and other concerned people this weekend. So let me say that I've been working all weekend with our banking regulators to design appropriate uh, policies to address this situation. I can't really provide further details at this time. But what I do want to do yeah. is emphasize that the American banking system is really um, safe and well capitalized. It's resilient. Can you say whether these problems were unique to, to Silicon Valley Bank or can you say whether there will be other regional bank failures? Well, look, let me just say that we want to make sure that the troubles that exist at one bank don't create contagion uh, to others that are sound. And um, a goal always of supervision and regulation is to make sure that contagion can't, uh, can't occur. Your counterpart in the United Kingdom has said that the government there has ruled out a bailout of the UK arm of Silicon Valley Bank. Have you also ruled out that kind of government intervention? Well, let me be clear that um, during the financial crisis, um, there were um, investors um, and owners of systemic large banks that were bailed out and we're certainly not looking and uh, the reforms that have been put in place means that we're not going to do that again but we are concerned about depositors and are focused on uh, trying to meet their needs do you expect a deal or something to happen that can reassure the markets before asia opens tonight and u.s markets open tomorrow we certainly are working to address this situation in a timely way. Now, I know you know this region of the country so well because you, you served um, at the San Francisco Fed uh, years ago. Um, the tech yes. sector has already been suffering from layoffs. It's already under pressure. And this is really the hub of American innovation. Uh, how severe will the consequences be for that innovation? I think it depends on how this situation is resolved, but I'm well aware that many startup firms have deposits and venture capital uh, firms have deposits at this bank that um, have been affected by its failure. So this is something we're working to try to resolve. You know, when you look big picture at this, this bank had massive exposure to this one particular industry. How did government regulators miss that risk? 
I would say that although the tech sector has been suffering from a downturn and has had some significant layoffs, um, the problems of this bank um, from reporting about its situation suggest that because we're in a higher interest rate environment, um, assets that it holds, many of which are uh, treasury assets or mortgage-backed securities that are guaranteed by the government, um, lose market value. Mm -hmm. And um, the problems of the tech sector aren't uh, at the heart of the problems of this bank. Do you foresee what's happening now as making it harder for Fed Chair Powell to continue with the kind of rate hikes he's indicated he plans? The Federal Reserve is independent and charged with making judgments about what the appropriate course of action is um, to address financial risks and also to achieve their inflation and employment goals. And um, I'm not going to comment on what the appropriate response is for them. Um, they will be evaluating this in the days and weeks to come. Would you be open to um, a foreign bank coming in as a white knight to, to help stabilize the situation with Silicon Valley Bank? So this is really a decision for the FDIC as it decides um, on what the best course is to resolve um, this firm. And um, I'm sure they're considering a wide range of available options um, that would include acquisitions. Uh, Madam Secretary, I'm told you are tight on time and I have to leave it there. Thank you for your time this morning. Thank you so much, Margaret. We're joined now by Congressman Ro Khanna. He is a Democrat who represents the California district where Silicon Valley Bank was once headquartered. Um, good to have you here. Uh, I wonder uh, what you make of the Treasury Secretary's remarks. I know you've been in contact with the White House, with Treasury and with FDIC. I have great respect for Secretary Yellen, but I think we need to have more clarity and greater uh, strength in what Treasury is saying. First, the principle needs to be that all depositors will be protected and have full access to their accounts Monday morning. All They're, depositors, meaning those with accounts bigger than $250,000, which is the cutoff for insurance right now. Yes, all of them. There's precedent for this. Chair Powell, when he was at Treasury in 1991, the Bank of New England collapsed. And Chair Powell said that Treasury coordinated with FDIC and with the Fed, and they insured every depositor then. And why did they do it? They didn't want a regional run on the banks. Here's what I'm hearing uh, from people in my constituency. They are getting notes to pull out of regional banks and all of this will be consolidated in the top four banks. We don't want that as a nation, especially if you're progressive. The other thing is the payroll companies that are involved. Some of them have 400,000 folks. They're not going to be able to meet payroll if they don't have access to the de deposits. And then go ahead. No, so, so you want you wanted to hear from the Treasury Secretary a statement that said the U.S. government will guarantee all depositors. Yes, just just like they did with the Bank of New England. Now, here's the thing. It's not going to cost taxpayers money because if you look at the financials of SBB, mm -hmm. they have the assets. They have the assets. They're, they don't have the liquidity. What happened is they had these long term treasury bonds. And then the Fed hiked interest rates very, very fast. Mm -hmm. We can debate the, right. the wisdom of that. And they were, uh, this was the, the cause. Those, those assets still have value. We need the liquidity. Now, there may have been mismanagement, and we could get into that. But right now, the key thing is for the depositors to have access to those accounts. So the Treasury Secretary also said that acquisitions are an option here. That indicates perhaps a private sector option with another bank or other banks buying up these, these assets and taking these on. Are you comfortable with that? Yes, and that would be the ideal situation. And our delegation that talked to the FDIC last night made that clear. But to have that happen... You're... Is that what FDIC is working on? That's what we urge them to work on. Yeah. They said they're working on it. But to have that happen, you need FDIC and Treasury involved because these assets are not liquid and they may pay off 10 years from now. 
I don't think you're going to get a private seller without the Treasury Department and FDIC being actively engaged in helping, helping liquidity with these Treasury bonds. And you know that's not happening. Whether they're engaged, I think they need to be engaged. They say they're engaged, but they need to resolve this by Monday morning. And I think yeah. the way to resolve it is to say depositors will have access to the accounts. Look, the bargain in our country from FDR has always been investors, shareholders lose. I have no sympathy for the executives, no sympathy for people who have stock there. Mm -hmm. But the depositors are protected. And let's talk about who these depositors are. They, they're not just the payroll companies. These are climate startups. These are startups that are helping cure cancer. Yeah. These are companies in the wine industry. These are companies that are dealing with AI and defense to keep us right. ahead of China, 50,000 of them. And they're employing Americans across the country. And all their, they didn't take risks. They just had their money in a bank. And we're saying those need to be guaranteed. Well, the, the president apparently spoke with the governor of California last night. Do you think the president understands the gravity of what you're laying out here? If you don't think the Treasury is speaking to this or that the Fed is, is addressing it? I think they understand the gravity, but they need to take decisive action. Because time's ticking here. Time is ticking, and it's by Monday morning. And I would just urge them and Chair Powell to look at what he said in his own speech in 2013. And the question I'd ask Chair Powell is, if it was good enough for the Bank of New England and you understood what was going to happen with a regional run, look, I think the U.S. banking is secure. I don't think this is a systemic risk. Here's what's going to happen. Every person in these tech companies is getting emails. Pull your money out of yeah. the regional banks, put them in the big four. What's the problem? Is it, a, is it political will? Is it concern that there will be blowback for the administration? I mean, why wouldn't there be the immediacy? Or, or are you indicating it's Chair Powell that you know is opposed? No, I don't think, I think it's just that right now things move at the speed of Twitter and the government doesn't move at that speed. And I think they don't realize what the problem could be and how fast money is moving and the challenge this could be. There is no systemic risk, but there is a risk on consolidation. Yeah. And by the way, progressives should be the most concerned about this. If you don't want banking sector to be J.P. Morgan, Citibank, Bank of America, and Wells Fargo. Well, it may have to be, right, yeah. is what you're saying. That, that's what's going to happen if the government doesn't, doesn't step up here. And it's not going to cost taxpayers because the assets are there. The assets are there. So, um, which is why you're saying government bailout is not what you're talking no. about, just to, be, just to be clear here. You tweeted yesterday the government also needs to investigate short sales by corporate executives. That, that's betting a stock price is going to go down. Bloomberg also reported that the CEO of SVB Bank, Gregory Becker, sold $3.6 million of stock the day before the company collapsed. What exactly do you think occurred here? Well, first of all, we need all the facts. I do think that money should be clawed back and used for places like Silicon Valley Community Center in my district that has money that clawed they can't get. Clawed back from the CEO, who you back know. From the C for clawed back from the CEO, who I've known. But whether there was something nefarious or not, look, you know 10B5s where they have to uh, make the, the sale years before Regulatory or monthly month before. Mm -hmm. So I don't want people to jump to conclusions, but I do think all that money should be clawed back and given to the depositors. To the, to the depositors, in short or, or, or otherwise. In basically. short or otherwise. So what do you think the big picture impact is or could be on, on the heart of American innovation? I mean, the tech sector is very important to American competitiveness. It's, it, it, it means that the companies that are looking for cures to cancer, the companies that are doing the climate work, the companies that are keeping us ahead of China on AI and defense technology, all of them are at risk. Some of them will go under. Some of them are going to be laying people off. It's going to mean people aren't going to be able to make their rents. And here's the point. All of the legislation we passed in Congress, mm -hmm. the IRA to tackle climate, the CHIPS Act to bring semiconductors back, it relies on the innovation pipeline. It relies on the tech pipeline. And that is why this is such an important issue. What is, being, what is hurting it is the rapid rise of interest rates, as well as now uh, this systemic risk. And it's going to hurt the innovation pipeline, and it's going to hurt ordinary people. Um, well, we were, are going to watch carefully what's happening in your district. Uh, Congressman, thank you for coming on and, and giving us insight. We wish you luck. Thank you. Um, the annual gridiron dinner in Washington is traditionally an opportunity for politicians and journalists to take aim with humor at each other. But at the end of his speech last night, former Vice President Mike Pence put the jokes aside and issued his strongest condemnation to date on President Trump and his role in the January 6th attack. Quote, President Trump was wrong. I had no right to overturn the election, and his reckless words endangered my family and everyone at the Capitol that day. History will hold Donald Trump accountable for his actions. 
Pence also addressed recent attempts to sanitize January 6th, indirectly criticizing Fox News's Tucker Carlson. Pence said that, quote, it was not, as some would have you believe, tourists visiting the Capitol. Tourists don't injure 140 police officers by sightseeing. Tourists don't break down doors to get to the Speaker of the House. He also added that it mocks decency to portray it any other way. When we come back, we'll have a lot more Face the Nation. Stay with us. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. We turn now to the chairman of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, Texas Republican Congressman Michael McCall. Good morning to you, Chairman McCall. Good morning, Margaret. I got a lot to get to with you today, but I want to start where I just left off um, with those very strong remarks from Mike Pence last night. Um, do you want to associate yourself with what he said? Let me just say Vice President Pence exercised moral clarity and judgment that day by uh, doing his constitutional responsibility, authenticating the votes and counting them. Uh, he avoided a major constitutional crisis uh, that day. As you know, I voted for certification. That is our constitutional role, not to overturn state certified ballots. Uh, so um, I agree. I mean, look, it was a dark, dark day. And I think um, people will be, uh, history will judge everyone by what they did that day. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a pretty strong condemnation of Donald Trump, um, who he hasn't directly taken on like that before. Um, but it's also back in the news very much, uh, Chairman, because um, it was the Speaker of the House who gave those 41,000 hours of surveillance video access uh, to Fox News, which then has used a recasting of the events, trying to sanitize it, trying to whitewash history. Do you think it was a mistake for Republican leadership to, to strike this deal with Tucker Carlson? That is who Mike Pence was talking about. Well, I know Kevin McCarthy has turned all the videotape uh, over to Fox News. Uh, he has given me assurance he's going to turn it over to the entire media. I think... Uh, I believe in the fourth estate, freedom of press, and I think the American people deserve to see all the footage from that day. And all the footage is not going to be, you know, uh, tourism at the Capitol. It's going to show a very dark, tragic day that I witnessed firsthand that included our Capitol Police being assaulted, 140 of them injured, uh, two pipe bombs, one, one uh, Capitol Police officer killed, and a protester killed. Um, that's not a, that's not a good day, and I think it uh, should have been prevented had we had good intelligence that day beforehand. Um, and uh, look, I support law enforcement, like uh, this DC crime bill we're passing. I support law enforcement everywhere, especially at the United States Capitol. Um, I want to uh, ask you on the other side of an upcoming commercial break about the hearing you just held on Afghanistan. But before I do that, I want to quickly ask you about um, what we've been talking about with the Treasury Secretary uh, saying no government bailout for this Silicon Valley bank. Um, but they are trying to take some action. She didn't give a lot of detail there. I know Austin is a startup hub. In, in your um, home state of Texas. How concerned are you about spillover here? Yeah, we do have South by Southwest this weekend. A lot of tech. Um, 
You know, I am concerned. I hope it's more of an isolated event because the assets were very, um, you know, it was all just technology sector and it wasn't diversified. Also, as the secretary mentioned, these low interest bonds. And I think part of the problem, uh, Margaret, is in this inflationary time, the Reserve, Federal Reserve now is raising interest rates. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, is part of the problem as well. We want to make sure this is, this is an isolated event and not yeah. a systemic event that could impact uh, things like in 2008 yeah. when we did uh, bail out the financial sector. All right. I've got to take that break now. We'll come back and continue our conversation in a moment. If you can't watch Face the Nation live, you can set your DVR. We're also available through our CBS and Paramount Plus apps, and we're replayed on our CBS News streaming network. We'll be right back with a lot more Face the Nation. Welcome back to Face the Nation. We want to return now to our conversation with House Foreign Affairs Chairman Michael McCall. Now, Chairman, uh, I mentioned that you held this hearing on Afghanistan this past week, and it was pretty emotional. Um, yeah. You're really examining the chaotic withdrawal from that country. And you had a Marine Corps sergeant injured in the suicide bombing who testified that he was an eyewitness and he actually saw the suicide bomber before the attack he testified he has never been interviewed as part of the U.S. investigation. How was this overlooked? I think it's very, um, well, first of all, very powerful testimony, very emotional, uh, but very devastating and damaging to the administration. Uh, these, uh, these snipers and troops were put at HKIA, uh, surrounded by the Taliban. The airport they put in the Kabul. Taliban in, in, in Kabul. That's the HKI airport. And surrounded by the Taliban who were put in charge. And that was the first mistake in the chaos that we heard that happened that day. And the State Department virtually non-existent. I think the most dramatic thing, uh, yeah, Margaret, was the fact that this uh, sniper had the suicide bomber in his sights. And, and an intelligence bulletin went out, you know, describing him. He said, this, is, this meets the description, meets with the team. PSYOPs, psychological operations to get together. They run this up the chain of command, and the commanding officer says, uh, I don't have the authority. And then they said, who does have the authority for permission to engage? And the commanding officer says, I don't know. And he never got back to them. Mm -hmm. The point is, they could have taken out this threat that then when the suicide bomber went off, not only did Marine Sergeant uh, Vargas uh, Andrews have his leg blown off in his arm, but we had 140 Afghans killed, 13 servicemen and women killed. I talked to the mother of one of the Marine sergeants. Yeah. I gave her just a hug. She was so devastated. Uh, in addition to 50 injured, uh, including Marine Sergeant Vargas uh, yeah. Andrews, and it could have been avoided. Well, uh, to the point of how it could be avoided, you know, you, you hear there were intelligence failures, events just got ahead of planning. Um, the State Department argues that they've briefed Congress more than 150 times since the withdrawal. What information do you need that you don't have yet? Well, I think the compelling testimony we got from uh, the sniper, we've never heard this before. In fact, Margaret, this is the first open hearing we've had on Afghanistan since the fall of Afghanistan. And I intend to move forward with this investigation, and I wanna know what the commanding officer was thinking when he denied permission to take out the threat, and how, what levels did it go to within the United States government? I mm -hmm. think those are all very important questions. And the State Department has not been compliant with our document requests. I met with the secretary. We had a very cordial conversation. Cooperation's always key, but they're not cooperating. If he fails to cooperate with my document production request by you know, the time he testifies on March uh, 23rd, uh, I am prepared to issue a subpoena. And issue, issue a subpoena for Antony Blinken to come testify before your committee. What exactly do you think he's withholding? What's the document? No, he, is, he, he will be testifying, but we have an outstanding document uh, production request that the lawyers are very combative. Uh, I think the secretary, in good faith, 
has told me he wants to cooperate with this investigation, be transparent to the American people. But we're not seeing that with the lawyers uh, handling this on the ground. So we need these documents because a lot of this stuff, to your point, Margaret, has yeah. never been brought out to the public. This is the dissent cable specifically that you are requesting. That is people within the State Department disagreeing with the policy that was the administration's planning. It's a dissent cable, extraordinary measure to have 23 members of the State Department at the embassy dissenting with the policy, yeah. uh, the after action report from the ambassador, uh, but also the plan of evacuation, just a simple plan of evacuation. What was your plan? They have failed to deliver that to Congress. Uh, those are three key uh, you know, areas that we want to yeah. see compliance with. Um, all right, Congressman, we will be watching that. I know there are a number of other uh, issues um, um, we'll talk to you about sometime soon, including China, but I got to leave it there for today. And turn now to Chris Krebs, who is former director of the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. He's also a CBS News expert and analyst. Um, it's good to have you here. Morning. Uh, before we get to what's happening with the Silicon Valley Bank, I want to ask you about um, what has happened with this data breach. We learned on Wednesday that uh, certain members of the House and Senate were told personal data, including like home addresses and, and social security numbers, um, was taken from a D.C. health insurance provider. It's like 56,000 right. people. And then that information is being sold yes. online. Who's behind this? So uh, a cyber criminal uh, known as Intel Broker, and it's not clear immediately who that person is, where they live, uh, but they have been involved in previous data breaches and attempting to sell information on certain dark web markets. And the, the point here is that you steal the information and someone buys it and then they can monetize it through fraud and identity theft and things like that. So Intel Broker uh, has previously claimed that they had access to uh, U.S. federal agencies. Um, this is a, a different case, though, where they've actually taken information, they put it online, uh, <clears throat> and made it available for sale. FBI was able to get in and buy some of this information. It's not clear if by buying that information it was deleted on the other end. Mm. Uh, but you know, that's what happens in this very, very vibrant cyber criminal ecosystem. So what more does the U.S. government need to do to protect, you know, I mean, some of these staffers and lawmakers are, are at risk here. Um, how do you protect against that? And is this a state actor? Is there any involvement? You know, it, it's not, again, it's not clear who the actor is. Okay. It, it's a cyber criminal. It's very possibly a Russian-linked uh, cyber criminal. Russia uh, allows a very pervasive environment and permissive environment for cyber criminals. It, it actually helps the kind of broader Russian strategic objective to undermine confidence in the U.S.'s ability to protect mm -hmm. citizens. It actually brings a significant amount of revenue into Russia. Uh, but you know, what happens next is kind of the question. So for one, uh, some of the markets where Intel Broker was selling this information, they've actually deactivated the Intel Broker account reportedly, uh, in part because these markets don't want undue attention. They don't want the FBI coming in and shutting it down. So they try to stay below the radar. Same kind of thing happened after uh, the Colonial Pipeline breach that we spoke about a, about mm -hmm. a year and a half, two years ago. So uh, what will happen now is if the information is available for sale, who buys it? Yeah. Likely, again, fraudsters, but also possibly security services of, of our adversaries that are looking to get information on members of Congress for uh, building their own portfolios and dossiers. Political operatives could buy it mm -hmm. you know, for opposition research and other, and other purposes. But the hope is that by kind of shading them out of the market and the FBI's disruptive operations, they can ensure that this is not weaponized, this is not information that's used for nefarious purposes. Um, you talk to tech companies and startup companies, yep. I know. A number of the businesses that had their accounts or loans with Silicon Valley Bank are very worried right now. Yes. They don't have access to cash, even just to, to pay employees. Right. Um, what are you hearing? Like, what is the level of, of panic here? <laughs> the biggest challenge right now, I think, these companies, and again, it is 50% of VC-backed U.S. companies Venture banked mm -hmm. with Silicon Valley. It's, it's a approximately 60,000 companies. The challenge they're having right now is that they don't have access to information in addition to access to their money. I've talked to a number of companies that are banked with SVB, with Silicon Valley Bank, and they've not heard anything over the weekend. Here's the challenge though. Most companies 
pay, uh, issue payroll on the 15th and the last day of the month. Mm -hmm. The 15th is Wednesday. To make payroll on this upcoming Wednesday, you have to have that money in the bank tomorrow yeah. to process. By not having access to information, what money they will have access to tomorrow to process payroll, they're now lining up alternative sources of funding. Uh, in some cases, we're seeing predatory loans. So it would be very helpful, as Congressman Khanna pointed out, if we could get some clarity on the situation and, as uh, the, the Secretary mentioned, some guarantees for those depositors uh, in place today. If a deal comes through today and access to funding is, is uh, open tomorrow, that's fantastic, but we've got to have some certainty in these company executives need information. They need clarity on what's happening so they can take care of their uh, employees or otherwise. Yeah. We're going to see furloughs next week in the tech industry. Well, and, and you heard the Treasury Secretary say we are in touch or through the FDIC are in touch with depositors. But you are also saying publicly there needs to be clear statements of confidence yes. to shore things well, up. Well, again. And you didn't get that. Is what we're I, not getting that right yeah. now. And I think this is, again, what Congressman Kana was talking about with the speed of Twitter. Information travels so quickly. Yes, you can have runs on the bank, but you also need to get that information out there in the hands of the 60,000 companies that are banked there, over 250,000 FDIC insured limits, uh, so that they can also communicate to their employees. No one wants to miss a paycheck, right. and there are millions of employees with paychecks at stake next week. And I did think it was interesting because, as some have said um, to me, you know, these are medium-sized, small companies, startups. This isn't big, bad Wall Street, right? right. It's a little bit more politically um, easy to convince the public if you want to step in and help smaller businesses. But that what, what's happening there with the politics of this? Well, in part, I think that most of your viewers probably hadn't even heard of Silicon right. Valley Bank until Thursday night, Friday morning. But this really is the economic engine of the United States of America. This is the innovation engine. This is a lot of the future, that tech competition that we talk about with China and others. This is where it's happening. These are the front lines. We really need to ensure that the depositors, again, not the shareholders in the bank, yeah. but the depositors in the bank have certainty so we don't see further runs on tech-friendly banks next week at the, going to systemically important banks. We really need this diversity in the banking system so we don't concentrate risk at the top and have a much more fragile banking industry. The, the next few hours um, may be key, I think so. <laughs> and we'll be watching for any update on that. I know we've heard the Israeli prime minister spoken on this, the, the British uh, uh, finance yes. secretary has spoken on this. Now the Treasury secretary. Um, we'll see what comes together in the next few hours. Chris, good to have your analysis. Thanks. And we'll be back with a lot more Face the Nation. Stay with us. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We're joined now by New Jersey's Democratic Governor, Phil Murphy. Governor Murphy, good to have you here in person. Nice to be here, Margaret. First time in person. Well, it, and you're here in Washington to speak at that event we just mentioned, the Gridiron Dinner. You represented uh, Democrats I, I uh, did. in your remarks. So you're here for that. There's a New York Times profile of you um, that's out with the headline saying, a trip to Ukraine, a jab at Ron DeSantis. What is Phil Murphy up to? What's the answer to that question? It's a very good question. First of all, it's good to be here. And I would prefer to say I stapled the gr uh, gridiron speech to my appearance on Face the Nation. There so, you go. <laughs> uh, listen, I've, uh, I'm incredibly honored to serve as the governor of New Jersey. Uh, we inherited a state that was 
basically a train wreck and we got elected to fix it and got reelected to continue to fix it. That is job number one, period, full stop. I'm a former U.S. ambassador, uh, which uh, in my case was at the Federal Republic of Germany. Mm-hmm. Uh, and therefore, the international stuff is continues to be important to us. New Jersey is one of the most international American states. So direct investment uh, relations uh, abroad matter a lot. I'm honored to chair as, uh, the, the National Governors Association as well as mm-hmm. the Democratic Governors Association. So we have a few balls in the air, but New Jersey is, is job number one. Well, the suggestion is that you might have political ambitions here in this town when your term is up, 2026. Have you considered running for president? I, I will say this. I have 1,000 percent behind President Biden. Um, and I haven't really looked beyond that. He, I'm certain he's going to run. He deserves to run. He's earned that right. I think he's had a great run here, and I'm going to be a thousand percent behind him. Why does the announcement for his reelection keep sliding? It was going to be February. Now it's April. When is he going to announce? If you're certain he's doing it, why not make it official? I'm not sure I've got any inside information on that. I don't think historically that he's necessarily out of line when other incumbents have announced reelection. I know we're all sort of expecting it's next week, next month, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Uh, my guess is it's sooner than later, but that's that's something that the president himself will decide. Um, I want to get to some of the issues that Democrats want to run on and get your uh, insight. But I, I want to quickly ask you about Silicon Valley Bank, because New Jersey is, of course, adjacent to the financial hub of the country in New York City. Um, and so there is concern about the overall banking sector. Uh, how concerned are you here? Concerned, but not panicked. And I think that's the the place we need to be. Depositors and workers in the companies whose deposits are in that bank need to be job number one. We've got a big innovation economy in New Jersey. So we've spent the weekend trying to make sure we're out ahead of this. We don't have a whole lot of exposure to to SVB per se, Mm -hmm. but we do have a lot of tech companies. So our Economic Development Authority is preparing a package largely focused on liquidity uh, to be there in case we need to be there. So concerned is you have to be when you have a bank of this size go down. But I don't think there's any need to panic. Mm -hmm. And I'm certain that the authorities at the federal level are working feverishly to come up with some sort of a solution sooner than later. When you say liquidity and you're talking about the state stepping in to help some of the businesses that operate. The the startup culture, the startup uh, tech firms in particular, we want to make sure that uh, as we did during the COVID pandemic, that we are there um, for them, whether it's uh, loans or whatever the case may be. We want to make sure we're not dragged by this. We want to we're trying to stay out ahead of it. Um, I also want to ask you about education in your state. You've taken aim, as we just mentioned, at Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, who's widely expected to be running for president. You've said he's prioritizing political culture wars ahead of academic success. You faulted him for his dismissal of the college board's AP African-American studies course. He wouldn't be doing that if he didn't think it resonated for him politically. Why do you think it resonates for Democrats to, to engage in these culture war back and forth? Well, listen, I, we, we ask ourselves always the question in substance. Do we believe in teaching our whole history, uh, the good, the bad, the ugly, nothing but the truth? The answer affirmatively is yes. So in this case, AP, African-American studies, New Jersey has one high school teaching it this year. We're expanding it to 26 next year. Um, He's just trying to divide us. He's trying to change the subject. He's doing it for political reasons, I assume. We want to come back and say, listen, what is the substance? What, mm-hmm. what, what do we owe our, our residents? And we believe strongly that we owe them the ability to read the books, to talk about our history again, whether we like it or not. Let's make sure we, we teach the, our country's history, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Well, on the substance, um, when it comes to this particular College Board AP class, initially there were criticisms of the program. Um, and you said they got rolled by DeSantis because you think he convinced them to delete parts of black history. So if it's a flawed academics, why are you expanding it to 26 schools? First of all, they did get rolled. Uh, they claim they, they were not rolled, but let's, let's call that for what it is. They got rolled. Uh, Florida weighed in heavily. Um, the so good, college board disputes. Th- yes. Uh, um, the good news is you have a fair amount of latitude in terms of 
what you actually, the curriculum looks like at the district level. Mm -hmm. And I've been asked before, well, does this mean that uh, everything is 100% the way you'd teach it? I'm not sure it is or it isn't. But the fact of the matter is it must be taught. And you do have latitude in terms of constructing that curriculum at the district level. And that's what we're going to do in New Jersey. And that's the way it should be. Uh, there are reports um, in the Washington Post that Wednesday is the day that a Texas judge who could undo, you're, you're following a story in regard to the abortion pill, he could uh, undo government approval um, of this drug, which is the, the, one of the most common ways to, to obtain an abortion these days. Out in the state of California, their governor has taken the stance of refusing to do business with pharmacies that say they won't sell the drug mm -hmm. in certain states. Are you ready to take a stand like that against uh, Walgreens or yeah. other pharmacies? I don't expect that we will take a stand like that, but we are. We want Walgreens and CVS and others to do the right thing, which is to be there uh, for especially women, mm -hmm. to uphold their reproductive freedoms and not take them away. The villain here isn't the governor of California, for sure. The villain here are the attorney ge attorneys general and governors in many, sadly, many states right now in this country that are taking freedoms away from Americans, particularly women, particularly reproductive freedom. Yeah. That, th those are the villains in this drama. Why um, are you uncomfortable putting that kind of, of pressure on companies to craft social policy? No, we're, we're not uncomfortable about that at all. But we want to do the thing that gets the best result. Mm -hmm. And our, our teams were on, for instance, on Friday at very senior levels with Walgreens and CVS, mm -hmm. making sure they heard loud and clear that we expect them to do their part to uphold okay. women's reproductive freedoms. Governor, good to have you here in person. Nice to be with you. We'll be right back. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The resilience and strength of women around the world are cause for celebration as we mark Women's History Month. But despite the strides made in the last century, this moment may require a call to action. The reversal in women's rights is now officially a global emergency. Progress, won over decades, is vanishing before our eyes. That backsliding, according to the UN chief, means gender equality is now 300 years away. In Afghanistan, the Taliban's gender persecution may be a crime against humanity. Women are virtually erased from public life. Girls are banned from attending school beyond sixth grade. Iran's schoolgirls are allowed into the classroom, but hundreds have been mysteriously poisoned when they get there. The White House speculated it could be payback for protests against the regime, which erupted after 22-year-old Masa Amini died in September after the so-called morality police detained her for showing her hair. Viral videos like this one show schoolgirls daringly removing their headscarves in solidarity, inspiring women around the world. Ukraine's women are stunningly strong, caring for and protecting their families while the men are at war, some taking up arms, others leading humanitarian efforts. Yulia Payevska spent three months in a Russian prison for evacuating women and children from besieged areas an inspiration to the resistance. Around the world, the maternal mortality uptick mars childbirth, something America's first female vice president has highlighted. The rollback in reproductive rights complicates life further. So too does the skyrocketing cost of childcare. COVID pushed many female caregivers out of the workforce and in some areas of the world forced children into marriage. There are some bright spots. 
the 118th Congress has more women than ever before, though that's only 29% of seats. More women of color are running for office, and more women sit on corporate boards. Those symbolic wins inspire, and should mean something, to not let these setbacks stand or dissuade the next generation. That refusal to give in, that type of resilience, is worth celebrating. We'll be right back. That's it for us today. Thank you for watching. Until next week. For Face the Nation, I'm Margaret Brennan. Today's guests were Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, California Democratic Congressman Ro Khanna, Texas Republican Congressman Michael McCall, former Director of the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, and CBS News expert Chris Krebs, and New Jersey's Governor Phil Murphy. The executive producer of Face the Nation is Mary Hager. This broadcast was directed by Shelley Schwartz. Face the Nation originates in CBS News in Washington. For more Face the Nation, we're online at facethenation.com, and you can follow Face the Nation and CBS Radio News on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Face the Nation is also rebroadcast on our CBS News streaming network on Sundays at 1.30, 4, 10 p.m. Eastern, and again at 4 a.m. the next morning. And it's available through our apps, CBS News and Paramount+. Plus. If you like Face the Nation with Margaret Brennan, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcast starting May 8th. Access episodes early and ad-free with 48 Hours Plus on Apple Podcasts starting May 1st.